What a joy it is to be with you today. Thank you for this opportunity, and Happy New Year. Here we go. It was Christmas Eve day, and I was happy that my daughter and her family were going to be joining me in a, in a meal. So we went to a special restaurant. We were going to get together at her house in Westerly to watch the Christchurch Christmas Eve service at 4.30. So my daughter wanted to try a new restaurant, and we were happy to be together, and we were happy to share Christmas Eve together. Um, we got to the restaurant at 1 o'clock, and we were immediately seated. That was the only immediate thing about our time there. Uh, we asked for about, uh, we asked the waiter uh, if we could have this table over here, and we sat down. And about 15 minutes later, he came by and said, can I get you something to drink? Then we waited 30 minutes for the tea and the milk to arrive. And then the wait went on and on. I mean, on and on. Finally, in about 20 minutes, he came back to take our order. We waited 30 minutes for the milk and the tea to actually arrive at the table. And um, have you ever had an experience like that where you were just saying, you know, something's not going on here, something's not right? My six-year-old granddaughter had colored about 40 pictures by then and were passing them around. And my 10-year-old granddaughter, Kylie, was just saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. It was over an hour before the, my granddaughter's appetizer arrived. The parfait that was supposed to be with it never did arrive. The slow service seemed strange because there was only one other table of people in the entire restaurant. We were there and they were there. As time continued to pass, I looked at my daughter and said, you know what, Amy? This is the season of grace and this is a great way to remind ourselves of that. She and I shared a smile. Just as Jesus demonstrated grace for us when, it, when he came to earth, and we can now extend that grace to the cook, if there was one, and the waiter. After about 90 minutes, hallelujah, our food came to the table. We were overjoyed. We didn't care that some of the items we had not ordered. The very nervous manager stepped to our table with an apology. He explained that the bartender had cut her finger, and so that made everybody leave their positions, go to different places, and I was sitting there wondering, how that affected the cook. Who was actually cooking? Did we have a cook? The manager then said the magic phrase, you will not be charged for the meal. A very kind and timely gesture. In the end, we gave the, uh, the flustered waiter a healthy tip. It wasn't his fault. And then we left for the car, knowing that we had that rare opportunity of remembering this story forever whenever we gathered for another Christmas dinner. We knew that we would again remember this story when we would not come back to this particular restaurant. By the way, I was glad my late mom was not with us because she was not so graceful sometimes when the food was late or didn't arrive on time. I was sharing this story with a friend at the gym, and as we were both working out on the elliptical, he laughed and said he had a similar experience up in Boston the week before. Now, my, my friend's language, and I know him well, is not what I would think that he would be maybe a Christian, but he said something profound about grace. He said, yes, grace is contagious. 
Extending grace to others helps diffuse any tension or ill will. It prevents confrontation, which is great. But as I thought about it, God's grace is so much deeper. His grace is so much richer. His grace cannot be contained in a single word. God's grace is based on a monumental sacrifice. The sacrifice of his son Jesus on a cross. That grace has power. That grace is life changing. We throw the word around grace with very little meaning. God's grace changes everything. Today's sermon is entitled, Ambassadors of Grace. In the Bible, an ambassador is an official representative of the king. The ambassador was always doing the king's work. He had to know the king, know what the king wanted, know what the king liked, knew the goals of the king. Friends, we are ambassadors of grace, and we represent King Jesus. I invite you to stand if you're able for the scripture reading, which is found in that familiar story of the Magi in Matthew 2. The Magi would arrive from the east to find the Christ child. They would leave as ambassadors for the king. Beginning in verse 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be a shepherd and shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another Root. Father, thank you for using the gift of your Son to satisfy the deepest cry of our hearts. It is in Jesus that we find the full meaning in our lives. It is in him that we find a peace not offered by this world we live in. It is through him that we find our victory and eternal life with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. There are things about this Magi story that attract our attention. First, they were, they were stargazers. They were astrologers. In other words, they paid attention to the heavens. They were always looking up, noticing the patterns of alignment that might give them a clue 
on prophecy. For centuries, people had studied the stars and they knew that information well. They were looking for clues to help them understand the future. Have you ever wondered why God used stargazers and astrologers? Perhaps because we seldom look up. We're consumed by the pressures of daily life. We're trapped in the day-to-day challenges that we face. We don't bother to look up at the wonders of heaven because we're simply too busy. The Magi were trained to look up for signs in the heavens. That means they were also trained to be patient. How, things, how fast do things move in the heavens? Not fast. They waited for years. They, they waited for centuries for the stars to align. How are we doing with our patience? I had a chance to work on my patience at that dinner we had on Christmas Eve and found I have a long way to go. It's true God parted the Red Sea, brought water out of a rock. Jesus brought Lazarus back to life. But for the most part, it seems to me that God works very slowly. And he works in ways that require great patience and a keen awareness in his presence out of that patience. The Magi were thought to be from distant countries, and it's interesting that all of them were not even Jews. God was clearly emphasizing that his, that his story was for the whole world. So being well-versed in the stars, the Magi were certainly thrilled when Jupiter and Saturn and Mars went into a very rare grouping. The trio of planets triggered their knowledge of prophecy, which had predicted the announcement of a new king. This occurred in February 6 BC. God was already revealing his plan of redemption. We also know that gold, frankincense, and myrrh symbolized what was to come for Jesus. The gold represented kingship, frankincense for worship, and myrrh symbolized death and mourning. We can only imagine that when the Magi found Jesus and left for home, they were totally different men and women. They were warned in a dream not to share their story with Herod, so they returned by a different route. But I'm sure as they neared their homelands, they began sharing all the wonder of what they saw. They had seen the Savior. They had seen Jesus. And now they had, been, they had become ambassadors of his grace in distant lands. The Magi drew their inspiration from the wonders of heaven. I love Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the world, their words to the ends of the world. I always recite this psalm when I take a hike in the mountains the wonder of God before me and enjoying his majesty. I remember when I was uh, on a high school retreat in the mountains of uh, near Boulder, Colorado, where I grew up. We gathered in a circle around a campfire and we sang Christian songs of the 60s because I am a product of the 60s. They are no, we are Christians by our love. I'll fly away. I mean, great songs. 
never sung again, but, uh, well, we know we are Christians by our love. I've heard that one here. When we began to share our stories, I, I was struck by something. I, I was struck by the depth of the stories that my friends were telling. In school, my friends never discussed anything of real meaning. It was all superficial. On this night around the campfire, friends were, were sharing from a deep place I had not heard before. They, they were sharing their, their brokenness. They were sharing their, their fears, their, their rejection. These stories were from the heart. That made a huge impression on me. We often think everybody else has their act together. We're the only ones that are struggling. That night it hit me that all of my friends were dealing with the same struggles that I was feeling. Insecurity, not fitting in. It was clear to me that we are all on a church retreat because we all are broken people. We're searching for something. Jesus was the only firm foundation all of us had. That really spoke to me. When the stories ended, we headed back to our cabins. I remember thinking, oh no, I forgot my flashlight. I'll have to walk across this large meadow in the dark. As I moved away from the fire and toward the meadow, I looked up and I, I saw what I can only describe as the wonder of heaven. Millions of stars blanketing the heavens and the moonbeam providing light for my journey across this meadow. It was a walk of wonder. And here's what came to mind. Is it possible that this God of the universe really cared about this one little guy in this meadow in Colorado, this dot, not even a dot in the universe? That really spoke to my life. The thought was overwhelming. God does care about each and every person he creates. That's why I'm standing before you this morning to share my story of God's faithfulness. God cares about each one of us, and he wants us to care about him. Now, my journey has been like one of my hikes in the mountains, ups and downs, victories and defeat, overwhelming joy and some incredible sorrow. The one constant is Emmanuel, God with me, the Holy Spirit guiding me. His faithfulness through my life has been beyond my comprehension. Somehow the God of the universe chose to partner with someone who was absolutely scared to death to stand up in class, much less speak in front of people. In eighth grade, I was forced to take a speech course. I thought, okay, this is the end. I'm going to die in front of all my friends. It's going to happen here. I remember the speech like it was yesterday. It was only three or four minutes long. I had gone over it over and over and over again for, for weeks. But when I stood up in front of my classmates, my knees were knocking. My face was turning red. I could feel my Adam's apple going up and down. I must have been quite a sight there in front of my friends. The National Institutes of Mental Health ranked public speaking as the number one fear for people, more than death itself. 75% say don't put them anywhere near a microphone. Somehow I survived the terrifying experience in front of my eighth grade friends. And then I thought, you dummy, it really wasn't as bad as I 
thought it was going to be. I had built this thing up in my mind, and when I actually did it, I discovered something I didn't know was there. I discovered that God had placed something inside me that I, I was to use for his glory. He had given me a gift that was uncovered by walking through the fear. What fears do you have that are preventing you from walking into what God has for you? That became my theme as I spoke with school groups and church groups at banquets, anybody who would listen during my 50 years as a sportscaster uh, on radio and television. That was, that was an opportunity for me to gain access to speaking to people about godly things. When I was forced to step into my fear, I discovered my, things about myself I didn't know, things God had placed there that were hidden from me because of my fear. When I got through the fear, they came out of hiding. Isaiah 41.10 has always been special to me. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. I always pray before speaking in front of any group, reminding myself that Jesus is with me. I'm representing him. My attitude has always been that God has planted something special in each and every person that I meet. Who am I to judge their worth? They have eternal value and worth to God. I want them to find their value through me. I'm sure the Magi were never the same after seeing Jesus. They now knew that all the prophecies were true. I've never been the same after meeting Jesus. None of us are ever the same after meeting Jesus. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And boy, doesn't this world need a savior. That's why we can't get discouraged. We have a story to tell, a story of meeting Jesus. People need to hear the good news. Furniture. Furniture is one way that people hear the good news at Christ Church. Furniture? Yes. As a part of the Christ Church Furniture Connection Team, I join with other men and women to pick up furniture and deliver furniture. That's a way of saying Jesus cares. We go into apartments and homes all over the area delivering and picking up furniture. Do you see the beauty in this? They invite us into their homes to deliver furniture or pick up furniture. Before we leave, we are able to ask them, is there something you're facing? Is there a way we can, we can pray for you? We learn of some heavy burdens. One Saturday, it had been difficult to get our Furniture Connection team together. We had not planned to meet on that Saturday, but, but this woman called and said, listen, my family is sleeping on the floor. We really need some beds. We need some furniture. So we were able to get the team together. People put their plans aside, and we went over to West Warwick, where they lived. On this day, the mom said her mother had just died the day before, as tears came to her eyes. Her family was there. They were sleeping on the floor. They didn't have the furniture they needed. They had just moved in. So we, we joined together to ask God to cover this family with his supernatural comfort. 
Friends, we left knowing that it wasn't by accident that we were there. Yes, there was something working against us. It wasn't easy for us to assemble and go there. But after we went, we knew exactly why God had us there. He wanted to comfort that family with his, with his care. That's the God that we serve. God goes ahead of us. He gives us the, the privilege of being ambassadors of his grace. Are we aware in our lives of how God is using us or calling us to minister in certain areas? Sometimes it seems like it's, uh, it's like, uh, I don't have time to do this, or this is really an inconvenience. That's sometimes the richest time that God has something for us because he has a mission for us. Our care center is open on Fridays when our volunteer staff meets with those who come in need. Do you see the beauty of this? People coming to us in need. Our church volunteers work with them to help develop a plan to help them overcome their financial, help them with their emotional issues, a chance to encourage. We, lock a, we walk alongside them to encourage and support their efforts. Your giving allows us to help them with their needs. Rent, car repairs, food cars, bus passes, damage deposits, on and on because of your gracious giving. Your gifts of food blessed many people during the Christmas outreach. God is using you as ambassadors of grace. Three weeks ago, I went to the medium security unit at the ACI in Cranston to meet with an inmate. I have, mentioned, I have mentored uh, several men through the years, but I've been with Kenny for the last 14. His father was killed in a car accident and Kenny was young, and as he started to hit his teenage years, he went off the tracks. He had a couple of brushes with the law, and this time found himself in prison. He was in his 20s. I first met Kenny at Maximum Security, a cold stone prison with many stone-cold-hearted inmates and guards. I'll just say it's not a place you would ever want to be. However, in this place of broken lives, God captured Kenny's heart and his repentance changed everything. His story has brought inmates and guards to Christ, many of them. One day I was there earlier this month and I presented Kenny with a brand new King James Version Bible, the new King James Version. It was a big step for him to go from the King James to the new King James. He was overjoyed. The cover of the King James Bible he was using was held together by scotch tape. He'd had it for a number of years. Inside that Bible was filled with all sorts of writings and notes and, and all sorts of uh, reminders of places he had been and the treasures that he had written, that he had seen. His Bible is the treasure in his life, and man, can he quote scripture. He starts out with Paul, then recalls something in Isaiah, then, oh, we've got to go to Genesis, then we come back to 2 Peter, and then we find his point. As our time neared an end, Kenny and I always joined in prayer, and we were in the large room with lots of other inmates in there. They were wrapping gifts, they were probably for their families. The room was buzzing with noise. We're sitting in the middle, quietly praying back and forth. It reminded me that God hears us in the noise of this world, 
Whatever's going around us, God is focused and hears our voice. As we prayed, I found myself aware of, of Kenny's life. His life is a reflection of the power of prayer. His everything changed. While he is still behind bars, his faith has set him free inside. His heart is now free of all the anger and the brokenness that put him behind bars in the first place. At the end of our prayer, Kenny began to weep. He said he thought of God's overwhelming grace and kindness in his life. And it was just too much, brought him to tears. Uh, the, the power in Kenny's story, and he has spent the last six months writing down his story, the power in that story is that it's going to go beyond the walls there. Hopefully one day he'll get out. He's faced parole a couple of times and has not been granted parole. Each chapter is dedicated to a different part of his journey, the disappointments, the joys, the revelation of God. He is now flourishing by the power of the Holy Spirit. He hopes to get that book published, but even now, Kenny is an ambassador of grace to people in prison whose lives are out of rhythm with Jesus. Friends, our call is to help people get their lives in rhythm with Jesus. He wants to help use us to bring people into a sense of peace and relationship. I had the advantage of growing up in a Christian family. I loved church from the moment I sang that first song in third grade at the Methodist Church in Boulder, Colorado. That passion for Jesus continues all these years later here at Christ Church. You're part of something that, that God started out of a Bible study in the early 90s that I was in. And he's still using Christ Church for his glory in 2024. Our compassionate Christian community continues to join God in shining light in dark places. We are a team of his ambassadors of grace. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Go shine your light. Don't put it under a bushel basket. When we reflect the light of Jesus, our Savior becomes visible to a hurting world. As we close, I, I would like to invite us to usher in the new year in a time of prayer. Let's pray through some things and have the opportunity to lift this new year to God, to allow him to demonstrate his grace and mercy in a world desperate for good news. Father God, thank you for your presence. We praise you for who you are, the author of life and the hope of the world. Lord, we take this time to pray for a searching world that is out of tune with you. We pray for your light to shine in dark places. Where there is war, starvation, heartache, pain, may your light shine. Lord, we take a moment to pray for our world. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for our state. We pray for our cities and towns. May all reflect your justice and your mercy 
and your peace. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for this church and the role you have given us in building your kingdom here in this place. We ask you to make us strong, a strong tower, a firm foundation, a strong influence for your good. We pray that we would be a loving expression of your care and your grace and your mercy to this community. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for our neighbors, that your presence and your peace would flow through our neighborhoods. We pray the words that they hear and the actions they see from us would draw our neighbors to you. Lord, we pray for our neighbors. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our own family members, for our children, for parents, our grandparents. Lord, we pray for your protection. We ask you to heal broken places, restore the weary, save the searching. We pray for comfort and joy and a sense of peace in the new year. Your peace, Lord. We pray for our own families. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are ill, those recovering from surgery, those we know who are facing health challenges. Lord, we pray for families who have loved ones dealing with dementia, Alzheimer's addiction, mental health challenges, depression. Lord, hear our prayer. Jesus, we declare that you are the light of the world. It is because of you we say joy to the world. Our Savior reigns. Let the earth receive her King. All the glory to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.